Well, hey there, what's up? What an exciting episode today. This is going to be episode number 20 of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is awesome, and uh, I owe it all to you guys. So today's show is going to be answering your questions, all right? I actually handpicked uh, a bunch of questions, and we're going to actually do like a little speed round here, and I'm going to play the uh, the voicemail that you left, and then I'm going to answer it live on this particular show. Uh, that's really what I want to do here. I want this to be like we're in a room together, right, and we're all having a nice you know, cup of coffee or tea or whatever you drink. And, uh, you know, my dog's sitting here and, uh, you know, we're all just kind of hanging out. And actually, if you hear some squeaking, I apologize for that. He's got one of his toys. He's actually not sleeping today at this particular time. But, uh, yeah, uh, if you're coming to the show for the first time, I have uh, a dog, which he's my son. Uh, <laughs> he's about two years old and, uh, he's, uh, He's awesome. But anyway, he's uh, he's part of this podcast, by the way. He's learning Amazon as we go here. Doing great, by the way. Uh, anyway, so uh, first thing I want to do, though, is uh, acknowledge one of the reviews that came in from iTunes, as I always do. I, I, I let you know that I read these, right? This just proves that I read them and that I listen. And uh, it really does make me want to continue with this because without you guys interacting... You know, this show, you know, why do it, right? There's there's no reason if I'm not out there impacting people. So uh, that's really the reason why I wanted to do this. So I'm going to read this particular one, then we're going to jump right into the Q&A session here, the, the uh, speed round, as we'll call it, and we're going to get to these questions. All right, so the uh, review came in on iTunes from Red Rover 87, okay, and uh, the headline or the title of it was refreshing look into Amazon and private labeling five stars. I hardly ever leave podcast reviews mostly because the one, the ones I hear aren't all that good, but I just had to show my support to Scott in hopes he'll continue with the podcast and sharing valuable information that sellers from a beginner to an advanced level can appreciate. You won't be disappointed by its tidbits of knowledge and resources shared in each episode or each podcast. Look forward to listening in the future. So, First off, I just want to say thank you, Red Rover 87, for leaving that because, again, showing that support really does motivate me to do this because if you hear crickets, you know, like when you're publishing this stuff, then why do it, right? I mean, I want to be able to reach out and actually make a difference. Um, that is my belief. That is, that's how I've operated all of my businesses in the past and currently. So thank you. And if you haven't left an iTunes review and you want to do so, you can just head over to the iTunes page and uh, and leave that. That would be awesome. And then, hey, who knows? Maybe I'll read yours on the air as well. And the other thing is, is if you want to leave a question like I'm going to answer today, you can just head over to the blog at theamazingseller.com forward slash ask, and you can leave your question over there. Again, this is episode number 20. So I will have a show notes page there for this as usual. If there's any links I discuss in here, I will leave them there. Uh, you can leave your comments over there as well. And that will be theamazingseller.com forward slash 20. All right, so let's get cracking here. I really want to just dive right into these questions and kind of get right to it. So I'm going to play the first voicemail, and then from there, we're going to listen to it, we're going to answer it, and then we're going to move on to the next question. All right, so here we go. Here's the first question. Hey, Scott, Kevin again here, and just again wanted to thank you so much for everything you're doing for us out here in the FBA world. Um, I have a question regarding your daily process. Um, your basically your workflow for your day. Uh, I'm trying to kind of settle on a workflow that works, and what I'm finding is breaking my day into parts seems to be helpful. Uh, with uh, let's say responding to factories would be, you know, maybe an hour or two uh, 
researching new products and product sourcing would be some more time. Uh, maybe I'll break some other time up for researching, you know, SEO tools and tips and, and writing copy and basically product support once your product's out there. Um, things like this. Uh, I'm finding that when I bucket my time accordingly, I, I don't get too scattered, um, especially when I'm sourcing products. It seems like there's always mails from from suppliers asking if I've chosen, you know, a product or a price. And, and it seems to be, you know, quite randomizing. So I'm wondering what you do in your day to structure it uh, so that you're, you're most effective and most efficient. Um, I know once a product is kind of out there, uh, the work is a little less than before uh, you get a product online, but I'm I'm wondering, you know, at the peak of when you're doing your work, uh, when you're at like let's say a 40-hour week or something, how do you structure it? Um, yeah, thanks so much, Scott. Again, I appreciate everything you're doing. Well, Kevin, let me just say that's a great question, and it's something that I struggle with right now even, uh, especially adding this podcast to the mix. I mean, here it is. It's Tuesday. Uh, right now, it's about 1230-ish uh, right now, and I'm recording this episode, and I try to batch these recordings, interviews, and all that on Tuesdays right now. I try to, again, like you said, almost create like a bucket uh, of things that I need to do. And the same thing goes for the Amazon business. And the same thing goes for my online information business, right? I need to really allocate this time. And it's something that I'm definitely working on to get better. Uh, the one thing I will say is, and I'm a big believer in is, you know, you definitely need those, those first initial tasks that are going to be the most, you know, impactful for your business. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I can walk you quickly through my day as of as of right now um you know and and how much time i spend on different things but i don't really have anything like structured as of right now that says you know okay except for like these podcasts um are definitely something that i'm doing which you know is kind of eating into some of my work time but it's something that i genuinely enjoy doing so it's you know kind of fun to me it is fun to me it isn't kind of it is fun to me and to be able to to reach out so, uh, you know, with the business aspect of things, you know, doing, and that's fun too. The Amazon thing is I just did an episode uh, talking about Amazon pay-per-click and I love that. It just, it, I always like looking for those golden nuggets, um, but really to kind of answer your question is yes, in an ideal you know, world and situation, it's best to to grab those things in the morning or your first start of your day um, to really knock those things out. So there's definitely things on my list, okay, of things that I need to get done for the day. And I try to do this the night before. So this way here, my day is planned. Uh, and, you know, the very first thing that I'll do, you know, minus off any morning rituals or any of that stuff, you know, because sometimes, you know, not all the time, but I try to, to get myself in the swing of things, um, you know, and kind of give myself my own time to, to get myself ready for the day. Um, one of those things is though, is I, I have family time in the morning. That's the very first thing that I do. Um, you know, I wake up before everyone, uh, I kind of come downstairs and I, you know, get myself kind of in the right mindset. And then I wake up my son and, and then from there, you know, I get him breakfast. He's 16 by the way. Uh, but I get him breakfast and, uh, I get him ready for school, or don't get him ready for school. He gets himself ready for school. He's 16. Uh, but I get ready to take him to school, uh, and I take him. He goes to a private school, so I drive him there. And we have you know a commute together, about 20 minutes. And then on the way home, I listen to a podcast. And then pretty much when I pull in the driveway, my you know my other child is ready, my daughter, uh, 
who is seven and she's ready for school. And then uh, she's not that far. We just got to drive her to the bus stop. But she gets in the car. Me and my wife take her to the bus stop. We sit there. We talk in the car. We make funny faces. We make videos on my phone. We do all kinds of goofy stuff. Uh, And, you know, we just kind of hang out with her for a little bit and then get around the bus come in the door, make a nice cup of coffee, sit down. And then from there, I first load or log into my uh, my Amazon account. And I look at, uh, very first thing is I go into my, my feedback, okay? And I look at that and then I go through that same routine that I mentioned in the episode where I talk about my follow-up. Um, if you want to know that particular follow-up sequence and the emails and all that stuff that I do, um, that's at episode, uh, uh, well, let me just give you the link. It's theamazingseller.com forward slash email. That'll take you to that episode. And that pretty much, you know, I just basically have a template and then I just look through all the feedbacks if I have to re- reply to any of them because they've left positive feedback or even negative feedback for that matter. I go through all of that stuff. It takes me about 10 to 15 minutes to kind of wrap that stuff up. Then I go into the sales and I kind of see how many sales I had the night before the day before. And I kind of look at that stuff. And then I'll look at my Amazon pay-per-click. I'll go in there. I'll see how my ads were running, how, you know, if I got to look at any, uh, any things I want to change, any things I want to trim, I might spend a half hour, 45 minutes on that. And that's pretty much all I have to do on that particular business. Now, yes, I may have another block of time that I'm going to research products. Okay. And if I'm going to be doing that, I may go into right now, currently I'm using AMZ shark. I might go in there and look at some of the data that's been pulled in from there. Uh, and then, you know, from there uh, again, if it's product research, then I'll go in and I'll just start doing some good old fashioned research inside of Amazon, you know, looking at other products that I could potentially, you know, look for. If I'm sourcing a product, then I'm going to have to go in and start contacting suppliers. So it's always a little different depending on what my tasks are for that particular day. Um, right now I'm in the middle of, uh, you know, rolling out my third product. So I'm kind of going back and forth with a supplier, uh, figuring out and finalizing all of that stuff, right? So every morning I'll go in and, uh, and I'll look and see if she had emailed me back, which she usually does. And then from there, she'll either ask for either I need to send her a graphic or I need to send her an approval, uh, or a talk, you know, maybe I got to send her a down payment, uh, whatever. And I just stay in the loop. So every day I really talk to that one supplier, um, just about every day. And we just kind of, she just keeps me in the loop. I can see where my inventory is, if it's going to be released on time and that type of stuff. Um, but that's really pretty much all the time I need to spend in this Amazon business. Other than that, now what I'll do is I'll go over and I will, you know, go into the Facebook page, you know, and I'll try to learn from other sellers over there, or I'll reach out and try to contact other sellers to hopefully get them on the show. And, and then we can, you know, kind of dig a little deeper in that. So that's pretty much that up until about three o'clock. Then my other or my daughter that I got on the bus, she's ready to come home about three thirty. And then pretty much from there, hang out with her for a little bit. And then from that point, about an hour later, got to go pick up my son because he's usually playing sports right now. He's in baseball and I go pick him up. And on the way there, I listen to a podcast. And on the way home, I don't listen to a podcast. I talk to him about his day, you know, how things go. And right now, currently, then we get home. And uh, from there, him and I actually do a little workout together. I kind of got him into working out. Him and I work out. And then uh, we eat dinner. And then I spend a little bit more time with the family. And by that time, you know, little one's going to bed. I didn't mention my 19-year-old. I have a 19-year-old daughter as well. And, you know, she's just kind of doing her own thing right now. But she's, you know, she's an entrepreneur as well. She's into to hair. So, uh, you know, she's a... Uh, stylist. So, you know, she's into her own business right now and 
helping her along with that. But yeah, so really don't have to really take care of her too much. But yeah, so that's pretty much my day. So yeah, yes, I think that I need to be a little bit more organized with my time. I think we all do. Uh, but that's a great topic. And I think if you can just think to yourself, how can I take maybe the first two hours of my day and really focus on the things that are going to impact the business the most. And for me, getting those feedbacks answered immediately are very important. And then looking at my my sales and then also looking at my uh, my Amazon pay-per-click. Those are the main things that I need to look at. And then obviously if I'm sourcing a new product. So I hope that that kind of answered, gave you a little glimpse into my day. Uh, but again, this is always changing. And I do think it's important to do a night before list of things that you should be, uh, you know, looking into or things that you want to get done. Cause if not, you could get distracted very, very easily. The minute you open up your inbox, you're going to get distracted. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much the day. So I hope that's answered it for you. And thanks for the question. And now what we're going to do is play the next question. And I believe this one is going to be about product selection. So let's hear the question. Hey, Scott. Thanks for everything you do. I'm really inspired by your program. We share a few things in common. We both live upstate, and we're both photographers. I'm still pretty confused at the product selection stage. I'm trying to follow what I'm hearing about how to pick products from Amazon, but I'm still pretty confused, to be honest. I wonder if you would think about doing a show where you go step-by-step, literally, in the Amazon site as you research a single or maybe a couple of products, showing ones that you eliminate and ones that you might keep, and your basis for doing that. Okay? I would find that really helpful. I bet others would, too. Okay. Take care now. Thanks a lot. Hey, Mark, uh, thanks so much for the question. It's a great question, and it's also a great idea. Um, definitely something that I could probably do. Again, time is kind of you know the issue here, right? I'm trying to uh, keep these podcasts coming on a regular basis, but definitely something that I would do, and uh, I probably will do that. I won't probably. I will do that for you. Um, but in the meantime, I do want to point you or anyone else back to a podcast episode that I had already done that went through the entire, you know, kind of like selection process. And that particular episode is number four. So if you go over to theamazingseller.com forward slash four, you'll come to that particular episode where uh, I give you the entire breakdown. Um, but I do want to share something with you because I, I received an email from one of our listeners and uh, he asked, you know, he basically, uh, you know, wanted my guidance on, you know, a product that he was looking into. He didn't give me the product, but he gave me like, just like the BSRs and the reviews because that's really what I base it off of. Okay, when I'm doing research. And like I had said, it's so much easier to pick a second, third, or fourth product if it's within the same brand because then you're just you know, creating additional products that's going to help that same customer uh, or that that customer is wanting, okay? But you know, the BSR is really something that I look at. And again, I, I'm not going to go into all of that here because I just want to answer this kind of quickly, but I do want to give you, you know, kind of like this structure and just an example of what he had sent me, 
okay? And uh, and then what my answer was or what my answer is, but also it'll give you an idea of what we're looking at here, okay? So I'm just going to read what he said. He said, I'm in the research phase and I was wondering if you can give any consideration to whether or not the, comp- the, the competing products are brand names versus other private labelers. Okay, for example, here's the top six competitor profiles of a product I'm considering, all right? So what he means by brand name is something like Sony or, you know, something, uh, you know, a major brand, okay? Um, you know, I don't know, Whirlpool or, you know, something, right? But a lot of times those companies, let me just say this, when a lot of times those companies aren't really putting their products on Amazon necessarily because they're thinking they're going to you know, make all their sales on Amazon. They just want to be listed on Amazon because everyone else is. So a lot of times you'll notice they might only have two two images, three images, sometimes only one image and a very, very basic headline and a basic description and a basic bullet. And they're just being put there by an agency that takes their products and lists them up on Amazon because Amazon wants to be there. So in one breath, it's kind of a good thing because you can probably do better. Okay, because, you know, they're not going after this thing to get sales all from Amazon. Okay, they're not really trying to monitor or optimize that particular channel. Okay, I think this is a good example. But the one thing that I'm going to point out here is if you see that there's a private label product that is within the top six or seven, okay, and there's maybe a whole bunch of other brand names around it, that's a good sign. That means that a private label product could compete with these brands, okay? So that's another clue almost in a sense. So here, I'm just going to read you the BSRs, and then the other thing he included was the review count because that's something I look at. I look at reviews, or I look at BSR, and I look at the reviews. Is that something that I feel is, number one, it's got enough volume, okay, and and is there, you know, not a ton of reviews to where I can, I think I can, you know, beat it within reviews because reviews are going to definitely play a part of your conversions. All right. So the first thing he said was brand name number one. Okay. And that's a brand name. BSR was 440. Okay. And we don't, we don't have the category, but let's just say that it's in a decent category and 440 units or 440 BSR. Let's just say uh, that that's generating 50 sales a day. Okay. And then The other thing he included was it has under 150 reviews. So right away, I'm interested in that, okay? The BSR is really good, uh, and it's under 150 reviews, okay? So that's great, okay? Brand name number two, BSR was 1,900, okay? And it's under 150 reviews, okay? Again, brand name, but yet it's 1,900, so there's still, you know, brand name number one and brand name number two, they both each have a, a spot there, and they're each selling, because at 1,900 BSR, let's just say they're probably selling 30 a day, let's say, okay? And then brand name number three, okay, is the next one, the third spot, and that's at 3,700, okay? So again, still has some sales volume. 3,700 might be doing 20 sales a day. Okay. Again, this depends on the category, and they're under fifty reviews. And then we go to brand num- brand name number four. Their BSR is forty two hundred. Again, under fifty reviews. And then the the fifth product is a private label product, and their BSR is forty four hundred, and they're under fifty reviews. So right there, if we just look at the top five, I go wow. The first one, the BSR is 40, 440, and then all the way to the last one, it's 4,400. So all the way in between there, there's sales volume. So if you were to collectively add all of those up, there's a lot of demand for that product, okay? Enough demand to where I feel as though even if I went into and got the third spot or fourth spot, I would still be able to get 15 to 20 sales a day, 
Okay. And I'm not having to get a ton of reviews. I only got to get 50 or, you know, 50 or more reviews. So this was a great example. He also included brand name, uh, brand name number six. That BSR was 5,200. So again, even showing me in the top six, there's sales being generated through all of those listings. And all of the reviews, except for the top two, are, are 50 or less. So I, I really only to compete with that top brand, I would only really need to get 150 reviews and you know just do a little bit better marketing. So this was a great example. And that's why I wanted to share it when selecting a product. It gives you an idea of what I mean. Now, let me just say here, if you seen that product number one was a brand name and it was 440 and it had a thousand reviews, and then you went to product number two, and let's say that that BSR was like 9,000 and it had only 80 reviews. I would say right there, the very first thing I'm going to think is there's not enough demand for this product because the number one spot is taking all of it. And in the second one, even though there's only that second one in place or maybe even a third, it's just showing that they're all going to number one because there's not enough volume or enough demand for that product. With this scenario that I just went over, having those six spots all within five, pretty much 5,000 BSR, they're all generating a steady flow of sales, all right? So this would look pretty good to me. I would look definitely into this further. So I just wanted to say that, yes, you can compete with brand names, and especially if you see that one of them in there or two of them in there are private label products that you know because you can just tell, um, that's another good sign because it's a way to say that you can penetrate that particular market. So I hope that's answered that question. Now let's listen to the next question. Hey, Scott, this is Monty again. Uh, I had a, another question. What are your thoughts about patents or do you ever worry about patents? For example, one of the products that I originally uh, started looking into was desk organizers. And then there's also those little um, cable clips and, and things like that. I was looking into those to just kind of straighten up your cables around your desk. But I did a quick patent search on desk organizers, um, particularly the mesh ones. And it looked like there was a lot of patents on different styles and types of desk organizers, even though I see a lot of them available on Alibaba. So. I was wondering, is that something you want to uh, research, the, the patents? I mean, even though there's a lot available on Alibaba, it doesn't mean that that's not somebody's uh, proprietary design over here once you get it over here. And um, yeah, I decided not to go with uh, desk organizers just because that market seems so huge and saturated and, and dominated by just a couple of companies. Anyway, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Hey, Monty, uh, thanks so much for that question. And you know, I'm I'm drawing a blank here. I for some, I might have just listened to it before and thought I answered it already. But if I already answered this question on another podcast, I apologize. But it's important, so I'm going to answer it again, and I'll make it quick because it's a pretty quick answer. Yeah, you you definitely don't want to mess around with patents. And the very first clue that I look for is if. You look at a product and that product says patent pending somewhere or, uh, you know, patented or any of that stuff right away. I'd run. I would not even go near that. Um, definitely not, uh, because you don't want to have to worry about that. And if someone does have a patent, they're going to be proud of that patent and they're going to want to share that patent. So that's the very first thing. The other thing is, is if you go to a Chinese supplier and you, you know, have a product made, they may 
be infringing on a patent and you don't even know it. So that's why a lot of times what you'll want to do is then go to um, the government site, which you already did the patent, you know, search site. And then from there, you're going to want to look and see if there's a patent pending or if there's a patent on that particular product or design. I mean, the patent could be something, it could be something on the surface, uh, you know what I mean? Like a texture that they're using. It might not be on the design of it. It might be on the surface or the material. So you really need to dig deep into that. But there, if there's any doubt in your mind, you're best off to contact an attorney uh, and then have them do some type of search or something. Me personally, I think there's enough products out there that you don't have to worry about that, especially when you're first starting. So I would just look at those details in the beginning and uh, and try to make it your own, if at all possible. Uh, and by doing that, you can easily just modify something on it. Like if it's a, something that requires a handle, you can make the handle differently. They have different ways of creating a new mold for the handle, and then you can just create your own style, and then you wouldn't be infringing on anything. But again, always... You know, if you're if you're ever in doubt, always ask an attorney. I'm not an attorney or a legal advisor, so this is totally not legal advice. Um, but that's what I would, you know, I would do. But it's definitely something to consider and something to to look at. You know, you don't want to not, you know, pay attention to that because you can get in trouble, and you don't want to have a listing start going really good and then get in trouble. Um, so just protect yourself. But hope that's answered your question. Let's move on to the next one, which I believe is about Amazon sold products. Hey, Scott. My name is Cindy, and here's my question. Let's say you find a product that you want a private label. It meets all the criteria. It's got great rankings, and you're really feeling it. And then you see that that product is uh, sold by and shipped from Amazon. So you would be choosing to go up against Amazon. Is this a good idea? So basically, let's say you have everything in place that it's not patented and it can be legally created under your brand and you could probably do it cheaper and you could see how you could market it better than Amazon is. I mean, after all, they've got so many products, they can't make every page perfect. However, clearly they're doing well. Are they going to come back at you if you start doing better than them or at least are in heavy competition with them and try to give you a problem for that? I mean, is it a stupid thing to try to brand something that's already a high-ranking product on Amazon as in terms of them selling it and shipping it? That is my question. I look forward to your answer. Thank you. Hey, Cindy, thanks so much for the question, and uh, it's a good question. Here's my take on this. Um, Amazon is, you know, they're they're Amazon, right? I mean, they can sell any product they want, and there's actually been some stories out there that if you have a, a good brand and a good product that's selling really well, Amazon can make you a very, very nice offer to buy that particular product. Uh, and buy out your business, and then you would just c- collect a big, huge paycheck and probably some royalties. I don't have any experience in that, but that's possible. Uh, but with you know your question or answering your question, uh, you know I personally believe that you know even if Amazon is selling a certain product. If you're going to sell a similar product, again, you're not selling the same product. That's not what you should be doing. You should have a completely different product, a different branding, a UPC code, uh, you know, a SKU, all of that stuff. So you're not ever going to be sharing a buy box with them or anyone. So, you know, if they're selling a particular product, you know, I would definitely look at that, but I would also want to see other people selling a, you know, a similar product that are doing okay. Um, because I would want to prove to myself before I would jump into that, that other people are proving it. 
okay, by them selling it. Because I don't want just one person, especially Amazon, selling it, because that doesn't prove to me that someone like you or I could do it, okay, that could that could actually sell a similar product. Uh, now, again, you may see this one product and then maybe be able to make a spinoff of another product that's either related or that can complement it. Um, that's another idea. But I would need to dig a little deeper into that and know a little bit more before I could give you an exact answer. But answering the one question I did just before about the BSR and how to select a product, um, I would look at those numbers. You know, I would look at if is there more than just Amazon selling that one product or that kind of product. Uh, again, we're not talking about selling you know you know the same exact product with the same exact brand because Amazon can sell you know they could sell Nike, let's say, right? Uh, but you know, you're not going to be selling Nike, you're going to be selling a sneaker then, you know, that's branded by you. Uh, You kind of get the idea. But yeah, so that's my answer to that. It's a good question. uh, But like I said, I would just do the same kind of research that I would do if it wasn't Amazon selling it. So I would just need to look at those particular numbers. Um, So I hope that's answered your question. And uh, with that being said, let's move on to the next one. Hey, Scott, this is Gabe. Now that your first product's been out a few months selling really well, are you going to do anything other than pay-per-click to promote it? Are you going to have to do giveaways uh, you know, more often or again, do you think? Or are you just going to stick with pay-per-click? Just curious what you're going to have to do on such a hot-selling item. Thanks a lot. Doing a great job with the podcast. Hey, Gabe, thanks a lot for the question. It's actually a great question, too. And it's something I've actually been thinking about myself personally right now so it's funny that you asked this question but you know like right now like let's just say for example like I'm averaging close to 50 a day um, on my one product and my ranking is right around you know between five and seven hundred and there's there's probably two or three other sellers that are selling a similar product that are ranking between I don't know like 80. BSR to about 250 BSR. And my thought was this, you know, like, you know, do I do anything to try to get to the top 100? Will it make that much of a difference? And from what I'm gathering and from other sellers that are doing, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, you know, sales in with a BSR of that, you know, that good, uh, you know, I possibly could triple my sales. You know, I could possibly get 150 sales a day or even 120 sales a day. So right now I am contemplating possibly doing another little giveaway, maybe like 100 units and trying to spike my my uh, you know, my BSR a little bit more and maybe even playing around with the price, maybe dropping it a couple dollars cuz I am more expensive than those two guys, right? Those two guys are probably close to 3 or 4 dollars less. Than I am, and you know, you got to balance that out. Is it worth dropping your price but yet getting more sales? Okay, uh, or is it better to stay where I am and sell a little bit less but make the same amount of money? Uh, there's a couple different things there. You know, I mean, number one, if I sell more, I have to buy more inventory, so I'm, I'm, you know, like handling it a little bit more. But the other benefit to that is I'm going to have more of a customer base. Uh, but the other thing is, is, you know, by me just doing what I'm doing right now, I'm just spending literally, I'm probably only spending about $30 a day on pay-per-click some days 50 and I'm able to get, you know, close to 50 sales. I mean, some days I get 55, 56 sales and some days I get 45 sales. So the average is about 50 sales right now. So yes, it's something that I'm thinking about, but for the most part, 
in my own mind, if I'm getting it to the level where I have it right now and I'm comfortable with that and I think I can maintain that for a while, um, I may just keep pay-per-click and I won't do it outside traffic um, right now. I'm more focusing on product number two and product number three and trying to get them to, uh, you know, because I do believe that it might be smarter to widen yourself versus, you know, go deeper with that, that, uh, product, you know, sales, because this way here, if product number one does drop off for some reason, I've got two other products that are going to help support that loss, not just banking on that one product. So there's a few different ways to look at it, but I think right now I'm going to just kind of leave it alone for right now. And I may possibly, when I get some more inventory, because again, it has to do with inventory because if I spiked it and I did double or even triple my sales, my inventory is not going to last and then I'm going to run out of stock and then I'm going to have even more issues. So I really got to plan for that a little bit. And uh, I do have a a bigger order coming in, one of my biggest orders uh, coming in in the next probably 20 days. So it may be something I'm going to consider. I'm going to see how the sales are doing uh, between now and then, and then we'll reevaluate. But it's a great point. Uh, But I do think if you're still at that 20 sales a day and you think that you've got room to get to 50 or 60, then yeah, I would definitely do another promotion. Uh, and I wouldn't necessarily think to do outside traffic until I feel as though I've really maximized the Amazon pay-per-click. So I hope that's answered your question and uh, I will definitely keep everyone posted on what I decide to do and, uh, and what the results are. Let me just pause here for a minute. I don't know if any of you have watched that, uh, you know, Jay Leno episode where, or he did, he did it as one of his bits where he would hold his hand on his, on his head and it, and it was, he was Mr. Brain and he was like, next question. And <laughs> it was like, uh, his brain was so big. I'm feeling like that guy right here, as far as like, you know, getting these questions being fired off, but yeah, this is great. And like I said, I just want to be able to kind of listen to a question and answer a question. So with that being said, let's listen to the next question and I'll give you my next answer. Hi uh, Scott. So I have a question about FBA labeling. I've been doing retail arbitrage for a couple months now, and I'm getting close to having enough capital built up to get started with my own product. And so what I normally do is once I get a couple boxes, I'll print out the FBA labels myself, have them all weighed and measured and all that, and I'll drive them to the UPS store and they'll ship them off for me. What I'm wondering is once I do get my own product, say from a site like Alibaba, how do I get them to have my FBA label and ship it directly to Amazon for me? Thanks. Your show's been a lot of help. Hopefully you can help me out with this and thanks ahead of time. Okay, well, this is another great question, and I didn't get your name, so I can't say, you know, thank you, Tom, or whatever your name was. Sorry about that. Thanks for the question, though. It is a good one, and I've got mixed feelings on this. Uh, I don't currently ship directly from the supplier, and I would... I would personally say, and especially in the beginning, I would not do it that way. I would have it shipped to your location, and then I would have yourself inspect it, and then print all your stuff out like you're normally doing right now, and then from there, bringing it to UPS or whoever you're having ship it, and then ship it to Amazon FBA. That's what I do even to this, you know, at this point. Uh, I don't have them directly ship it. There's a couple things uh, or a couple reasons why I don't. Number one, because I want to still do the quality control. Uh, I want to make sure that the the items that I'm that I'm having created and produced, I want to make sure that they are, you know, exactly what I wanted. I don't want them doing any bait and switch stuff on me. Even though I've had a bunch of orders already done through them, through them, and, and I haven't had any issues, I just I still feel like I want that control. The other reason that um, 
that I don't think it's a smart thing in the beginning is because you know usually Amazon is going to have you break up that shipment into at least three different orders depending on how big it is okay in three different shipping labels and now what's going to happen is is your supplier depending on your supplier my supplier doesn't want to ship to three different locations they want to hand it off to their freight forwarder and then they want to ship it to one location which really isn't a problem because you can tell Amazon that you want to only ship to one location one little side note here is and I haven't done it but I did some research on it is they are going to charge you another 30 cents per unit in order for you to only ship it to one location and my belief as to why they do this is because they're going to sh- they're going to move that shipment around regardless of where you send it okay even though you're going to send it to one location the minute they get it they're going to say well we want to put a few over in Arizona we want to put a few over in Pennsylvania we want to put a few over in California and we want to spread that out because what they're doing is they're going to spread out that inventory so it's going to be quicker and cheaper for them to ship it to your customers in these different warehouses. And they may even, you know, while you're selling, right, they're going to notice that maybe a lot of your sales are coming, you know, from the West Coast. They may just, not even without telling you, they may just start shipping some of your your items out of your inventory and over to one of those other warehouses without you even knowing it because they're trying to do it to accommodate their or your customer to get it to them in one day or two days without it costing them a ton more either. Um, but yeah, you can ship it to one location, uh, and then that would you would just do exactly what you're doing, uh, you know, with your own stuff. You would just you know create the the order, the shipping order, and then you would print it or not print it. You would save it as a PDF, send it to your supplier. They would print it, label it, and ship it. Um, that's how that works. I have never done it that way, but that's the way that it works. Um, but me personally, if you're just starting getting a, getting your product for the first time, I would I would caution you from doing that. I would rather see you have it shipped to your place, inspect it, and then from there you create your labels, do the same as you've been doing before, and then this way here uh, you have control of that. And the thing is, it's not expensive to do it that way. Uh, Amazon's UPS, you know, fees are so ridiculously inexpensive. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing. I just sent a package, uh, it was like 40 pounds and it was like less than 12 bucks, like 12 or 13 bucks. I just sent one to my father who lives in Florida and I'm in New York. I sent a package to him, not through Amazon's FBA, you know, program, just, you know, a personal package. It was nine pounds. It cost me 20 bucks. So, I mean, their, their fees are so reduced because they give them so much volume. So, I would just build that into your price. For me, it's about 15 to 20 cents per unit I figure into my price. So I hope that's answered your question. Now let's move on to the next question. Hello, Scott. Um, First of all, thanks. I think your podcast is really great. Awesome. Um, We do have a question that uh, my partner and I would like to to know if you can have any resources or information on how to deal with any uh, export fees, tariffs, regulations, that we might need to be aware of if we're purchasing, you know, from China through Alibaba. Um, you know, any resource you have on it or, or a place you can point, point us to, I'd appreciate it. Thank you very much. Look to hear a response on your next podcast or future podcast. Thanks. Hey, Bill, thank you so much for the question. And your name is Bill, by the way, because uh, I've seen it in the email when it comes over in the voicemail. So, but you didn't leave your name. If you're leaving questions, uh, leave your name, guys. I, I want to be able to to know that it's, it's you leaving the question. Um, but anyway, so yeah, great question. And this is another reason 
why I like using air. Okay. And I've talked about this before about, you know, going sea versus air. And it just complicates things a lot more when you go by boat. Okay. And there's more hands involved. Uh, recently, uh, one of the, uh, you know, sellers that's in the Facebook group had mentioned that they were, you know, having an issue, you know, because the freight forwarder didn't do something properly and it held everything up and it, you know, drew a red flag and then customs had to come in and all this stuff and it could have been avoided. But I'm not saying that I'll never go that route, but right now I always look for products that are lightweight, smaller, small enough, you know, within the 18 inch limit. So it's not oversized. And uh, so this way here, I can ship it by air. And what I usually do is I try to keep the quantity to a thousand to 1500. And usually when you keep it at that, you know, that size, uh, you know, DHL is who I use and they take care of the customs for me. Uh, Literally. I mean, they have a credit card on file and what they'll do is they'll, they'll bill me if it's under a hundred or $150 or they will uh, hold the inventory and then they will just contact me and say it's being held there until the payment is made for the the customs. And then from there, you know, I pay it and then they release it. I've never actually had them call me though. I've just basically had them send me a bill. Uh, But the other important thing is too is know what your supplier is listing it as because there's certain codes that they use for a particular product. And you know, it could be just you changing the code, not that you're, you know, putting down the wrong code, but just could be in a different category that won't be looked at as critical as far as going through the customs. You know, if you have something that's like a supplement, you know, powder reform or something, it's probably going to get looked at a little closer than, you know, maybe a garlic press, let's say, that's a metal garlic press or something, right? So, you know, you definitely want to make sure that you kind of research that a little bit and also, uh, you know, talk to your supplier about that. And if they've already done some shipping over here, uh, from China to the U S they're probably going to have a good hand on that. Uh, at least a good supplier will, and they can kind of direct you and give you, uh, you know, the best, you know, code to use. And then this will just eliminate any issues. So those are just a couple of tips. And again, the reason why I don't use a freight forwarder at the moment, uh, I like to keep it simple and I like to go air because with, with air, DHL air right now, I'm getting it from China in about three days, uh, which is, is crazy. And yeah, you know, it's not cheap, but if your product cost is low enough to where you can incorporate that into your your overall fee of the product and it makes sense because your margins are high enough, who cares, right? So I hope that's answered your question on that. And like I said, just keep it simple. Just keep it simple. All right, so I think we got one more question and we're going to wrap up this episode. It's been a lot of fun too, by the way. I like answering these questions. I could probably do a whole nother show with all of the other questions I still have to get to. So bear with me if I haven't gotten to yours yet, but I will. And uh, we'll do more of these and I'll try to incorporate a few you know, single questions on uh, just on shows at random. So let's just listen to the last question and then we'll wrap up this episode. Hey, Scott. Kevin again here, and I wanted to ask another question regarding investors. Um, now, I know there's certain stipulations and regulations around technically asking for investment and how you go about that and how you go about presenting risk and, and disclosure and whatnot, um, but let's just say in the realm of uh, uh, friendly investors, uh, people that you know, um, have you considered doing this? And uh, do you think it would be helpful for your business? I, I personally think it's something that would allow me to scale much quicker than if I proceed kind of stair-stepping using the profits from 
one product put into the next and into the next. Um, definitely, that's that's more of a secure strategy, um, but a little slower. And I'm wondering if you think um, scale can be achieved quickly through, let's say, micro investments from friends, somewhere from let's say five to ten thousand a piece, uh, whereby they would invest in either a portion of the units of a product, or maybe you would allocate a new product um, that the investment will be going towards specifically for that one uh, investor. Uh, but just let me know what you think in general on that, if you've ever thought about it, if it's something you are actually considering doing to scale your business. And if, you, and if you're not thinking about it, is there a reason for that as well? Okay, thanks, Scott. All right, so this is another great question. You may also recognize that that's Kevin again. Kevin left like four questions for me. So Kevin, thank you so much. And, you know, I love it because you've just you've got this energy that you just want to get going here and you're just trying to figure out a way to to make this thing work and and don't let anything get in your way. So the only way you're going to be able to do this is to reach out and get the uh the the answers, right? And then from there, move on them. So thank you. But yeah, it's a great question and it is something that I'm considering and it's actually something that I'm in the process of doing and uh I'll just give you the exact kind of scenario. Uh me personally like, you know, I could invest more of my own money. But what's great about having an investor on board is you're able to tap into their money. They might not do as much work. So you, they don't get as much of a percentage of the business, but they're using their money. So for them, it's a, it's a return on their money. The only thing I would caution you on with this is it's, it's kind of a slippery slope. I would do it with someone that I know, like, and trust and that I let them know up front that, you know, this is a little risky. You know, I mean, we could probably get out of it by selling our inventory at cost, but you know, you don't want to, you don't want to go into this thing, taking people's money of a friend of a friend of a friend. And then, you know, just, it just wouldn't be good. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. But if you have a family member or, you know, a close friend and you said, listen, you know, you tell them about it and they're interested in this business model and then, but they don't really know the ins and the outs and they don't really want to know the ins and the outs, but they want to make a percentage on their money back. You know, they could invest and then get a 15, 20%, you know, return or 10%, whatever you want to do. I personally reached out to my father who, well, he was talking to me about it and stuff and, and, uh, he was interested in it, but you know, he doesn't know all of the other stuff with it and he didn't really want to, he's retired. He doesn't want to deal with, with the Amazon stuff, right? He just doesn't want to, he's kind of past that, but he would like to make a return on it and he would do, you know, kind of like the behind the scenes things if I needed him to, but you know, I didn't want him to feel as though he was buying into the entire business, but maybe just a product. So basically said, Hey, listen, let's do a product together under my brand. And then from there, what we can do is, you know, get it going. You can help get it going, right? If there's things I need to get done. I mean, I'm actually using him as, uh, you know, as a resource as well, because he's good at, you know, doing tasks, right? Like if I wanted him to, you know, go and get the graphic, uh, you know, designer or, you know, go ahead and submit, you know, you know, to, to suppliers or any of that stuff, almost like a VA in a sense. So I'm, le- I'm, I'm having him do more things, which he wants to do because he wants to be involved. Um, he wants to do actually more than I really need him to. So, you know, dad, if you're listening, you know, thanks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so for him, it's kind of like, you know, he's investing in one product, let's say. And then from there, if we, uh, or when we move forward with this and we start to generate a profit, then from there, he'll get 
20, uh, 20 or 25% of that, right? And then we can just keep moving forward with that because, you know, obviously it's my brand and, you know, it, I'm, it's my money that kind of got it to where it is. And really on this one product, you know, I'm able to then scale out the business and that one product will help promote product one and product one will help, you know, do product two and so on. Now, will we do a third, fourth product? You know, don't know yet. Like we're going to kind of see what happens here, right? So that might be a way to do it, okay? And then this way here, you're not giving up all of your business, but you're maybe just saying like, let's do one product because you know you want to get this product out quicker than your you know budget will allow you to right now. Uh, so maybe that's a great way for you to, like you were saying, Kevin, to scale quicker. Um, so it's not a bad idea. It's just you really got to be careful of who you're doing it with. And I wouldn't do it to where you're doing crazy numbers. I would start small and then start to get some income coming in and and doing a return. Now, some people may want to do it where you say, you know, listen, do the initial investment and that, you know, let's say $10,000 and then let's say, and within three months, you'll get all of your money back and then 20% or something like that. And then after that, they're out of it. They don't get anything from future profits. That's another way you could do it. If someone just wants to get in and get out, um, but you might also want to have like a silent partner, if you will, that uh, wants you know to have a little bit more in that product. That every time that they sell a unit, they're going to get something. Or you might want to do a royalty deal, kind of like you know Shark Tank, right? So maybe the initial investment, and then once they get that investment back, then they get a dollar per unit every time you sell one. I don't know. I'm just thinking outside the box. But yeah, great idea. Um, it's definitely something that you could consider, especially if you're bootstrapping it and you you, you know you don't. You don't really know, but it might help if you've already had a product or two under your belt to where you kind of know that you're going to be able to at least uh, break even or, you know, definitely make it work. So just be cautious. That's all. But yeah, great idea. And it's a great way to think outside the box. All right. So that is going to wrap up this particular episode, which is episode number 20, which is the amazing seller.com forward slash 20. And you'll find all of the show notes here. And uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I, I like answering these questions. It's kind of like, you know, picture us all in one room and then everyone's asking questions and I'm able to answer them um, kind of on the fly. So I really do enjoy this. This is really, really kind of where I, uh, where I, uh, I feel most comfortable. So, uh, yeah, keep them coming though. And I'll do more episodes like this if you want me to. All right. So that is going to wrap it up again, all of the resources and stuff that I've went through in all the past episodes, which there's tons and you'll find all this stuff over at the blog on the amazing And, uh, this particular episode, like I said, is, is episode number 20. So it would be the amazing forward slash 20. If you want to ask a question, just like these people did, then you can just go over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask, and you can ask your question there, and I can answer it on the air just like this. All right, so that's it. That's going to wrap it up. A lot of great information here for you. Uh, the biggest thing is, though, is just simplify things. Don't overcomplicate things, and you know, just get out there and take action, because that's how things happen, right? If you take action, things are going to happen. Whether it's good or bad, right? You're going to be able to learn from it. You can move, pivot, uh, and and then make a better decision or adjust. All right. So uh, so that's it. That's going to wrap it up. If you haven't left me an iTunes review yet, go over there and take a quick second and do that for me. That would be awesome. That would help me rank in uh, the iTunes, just like on the Amazon marketplace, and more people can find this podcast and uh, and hopefully join our thriving community because this thing is growing like unbelievably, and uh, it just feels really cool that uh, now we kind of have our own little our own little place, our own little show that we can kind of uh, work together at building each other's businesses. So once again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you've gotten value from this, and And uh, if you could just take a quick second and leave that review over on iTunes, that would be 
awesome. So have a great day, great night, great morning, whatever time of day it is for you right now. Just have a good one, all right? And uh, just keep in mind that uh, the main goal here is to get yourself to where you can have the freedom that we all deserve. All right, so take care. Talk to you later.